Thanks for joining us at elevationbillings.com. Today we're hearing from Pastor Dave Carroll as he preaches in this sermon series, Rescue Mission. Today, isn't this a great place to be, Elevation? Uh, I'm really glad you came. I'm really glad to be here. I have to tell you, I look forward to coming here on Sundays and getting to chat with some of you. I, I kind of feel bad sometimes I don't get to chat with everybody. That's not possible anymore. But I really enjoy the times where uh, maybe I get to uh, stop with you in the corner in the hallway or, or maybe here at a seat and just chat and get to know you. And I'm grateful for what God is doing in the lives of people at Elevation Church. Do you know, uh, I know Memorial Day weekend, a lot of people are, are typically out, but we celebrated 350 people uh, who, who came to church last week, and the Lord is doing incredible things here. And I just want to communicate to you that we love you, and we are so grateful to be on this journey called Elevation, and the best days are yet to come. Do you believe that? Uh, I believe that, that the best days are yet to come. And so we've been in this series entitled Rescue Mission with the heart to implant a a DNA of, of evangelism, personal evangelism, personal responsibility in the life of every believer who comes to Elevation Church. Uh, it is our responsibility, like I preached last week, to have it. To have it. What is it? The joy of the Lord. To, to know that we've been with Jesus and the world can see it. That is what God has called us to have on this rescue mission. And so in honor of Memorial Day, I've entitled the message, Boots on the Ground. Boots on the ground. Now, you know that the phrase means when there is a, uh, an active serviceman or servicewoman on the ground and they're actively engaged in a mission, that's what they call boots on the ground. Now, if you're in the military and you're sitting home, you're not, uh, well, your boots are on the ground, but your boots aren't on the ground. Do you know what I'm saying? They're, they're not where the action is. And so turn to the person next to you and say, it's time to get active. Just turn to the person next to you and say it. It's time to get active. And that's what we're talking about today, putting our boots on the ground. Uh, when you apply that statement to other areas of life, uh, we know that putting your boots on the ground, putting your hands to work, getting in the action of life can be a little bit difficult. For instance, I know there are days where the dishes pile up on the sink, right, after dinner time, And I'll look at Amy and the conversation goes something like this. She'll say, you know, and, and then we'll look over at Aiden and Drew, uh, who are 13 and 12 now, and they'll, they'll say, mm-mm, mm-mm, no, no, I'm not doing it. And, and, and the reason why is there comes a point where we get tired or uh, we start to look at ourselves and think about what we want, especially after a long day of work, right? And we tend to want to disengage from the action, and, and eventually uh, we figure out that all four of us staring at the dishes will never clean a single dish, right? And it, wouldn't that be cool? Would you buy that if you could stare at it and it would be clean? I think I'd be all in. I think I, whatever it's worth. But at some point, you have to engage. You have to put your hands to work. You have to put your boots on the ground and do something with your faith. An Elevation Church was built on the principle uh, that every person... Uh, takes ownership, that's one of our next steps, takes ownership of inviting people to church, sharing their faith with them, seeing them come to Christ. You know, many people think uh, that, that more people come to, church in, or come to Christ inside of a church building than outside of it. But I'm here to tell you, I think the opposite is true. What I have found is I, sometimes I get to stand up and give an invitation, and someone says, yes, I want to come to Christ. And if, if I get to meet that person, I don't always get to meet them. I end up finding out 
that someone else had been investing in their life for days, weeks, months, sometimes years, sharing their faith with that person. And probably they came to know the Lord before, but they just publicly identified it in church. And so we have to be on a rescue mission and put our boots on the ground being active in our faith. And that's what the sermon is on today. And the idea is this. We've talked a little bit about the theology of the gospel. We talked about how the gospel is for us to go. We've talked more about how we have to radiate the gospel and act like we've been with Jesus and be a person and a church with it. But today is the application of the rescue mission. It's the final message in the series, and it is really how to engage people with your faith. How do I do it? How do I actually actually step in to the spiritual warfare that is happening all around us? How do I get involved in it? And so here in Matthew chapter 10, verses 32 through 39, Jesus speaks to to us and gives us a statement that kind of, it just kind of draws us into the action. It, it kind of puts a little bit more of a black and white issue in our head and in our heart concerning our faith. And this is what Jesus says. He's in a long discourse here in Matthew chapter 10. He's talking about a lot of things, but in verse 32, he says this, therefore, whoever confesses me before men him I will also confess before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, him I will also deny before my Father who is in heaven. And when we hear these words, which are some of the strongest words of our Savior that are recorded in the Scriptures, it it starts to, to put a little bit of weight on our life. If you if you are starting to uh, feel the heaviness of this right now, that, that God said, if you'll confess me before men, I'll confess you publicly. But if you deny me, I'll deny you. If you let the weight of that sink on your heart, really what Jesus is getting after is, is he's trying to say, your faith is public. Now, this isn't how most people think of their faith. If you, if you try to talk about your faith at work, people will say, well, hey, my faith is very personal, right? It's, it's personal. It's, hey, that's just really for me. I don't talk about it a lot. And, and to be a Christian or a Christ follower and be private about your faith is an oxymoron. It's kind of like saying as, you know, hey, I'm a little bit chubby and I, I kind of self-depreciate every so often with some humor. But uh, let's say that you see me and I have a little bit of belly. I'm a little fat. But what if I come up and say, I'm, I'm a fit, fat person? Well, people go, well, that's Dave. You can't be fit and fat at the same time. And I say, yes, I can. Yes, I can. Yes, I can. No, you can't. No, you can't. No, you can't. You're either going to get fit or you're going to stay fat. Which one is it? Well, that's the same thing in our faith. You see, there's this line where if we are going to claim Christ, he has asked us to do it publicly, to be public about it. You see, faith was never meant just to be something that makes me feel good. Oh, I have peace, and so now I can shrink back um, to myself. And so it brings up this important decision uh, that is going to decide whether or not you actually ever put boots on the ground in your faith. And here it is. The decision is you have to decide whom you will deny. 
There in verse 33, Jesus says it, right? He says, hey, you can either deny me, meaning Jesus, or you can deny yourself. And so you have these two choices, to deny yourself, to not count your life your own, to not worry about your street cred, your rep, your pay, all these kind of things, uh, whether or not someone will like you, uh, or you can deny your Savior publicly. Now, the challenging words are, uh, I don't know that I want to be not be denied by Jesus. Anybody else in that same boat? That doesn't sound too good to me to be denied, and so it puts this tension on my life. But the challenge is, um, deciding who we have to, who we will deny is not as easy as it sounds because denying ourselves doesn't come natural, especially to us in America. Uh, we are proof as an American society that the more money you dump into a society, the more affluent we become, the more isolated we end up in our lives. Uh, case in point, if you had a million dollars, most people, and myself included, would say, I will pick a secluded island. I will take a house up on the mountain away from people. Away from people. Why? Because our tendency and our nature is when we're allowed and when we have the ability to, we isolate. That's why people move out of the city into the suburb where there are less people, right? And so we naturally want to feed ourselves, indulge in ourselves instead of deny ourselves, so that we could be public with our faith. Now, I learned a lesson about denying myself very early on in life because I come from a plumber's family, right? I have two or three generations of plumbers, which means as a young boy, I was invited to work to do plumbing, right? Well, everybody else uh, had to pick, you know, had jobs they could talk about at high school. I would spend my summers doing plumbing. And denying yourself is a lot like a plumbing job. I remember one of the first times I went into a house call with my dad. There was a stoppage in the house, and uh, I walked in, and I saw the toilet. <laughs> and I said, Dad, are you sure that we want to trade $75 for my hands fixing this problem, right? Are, are you sure that that exchange is really enough? And, and and I looked at it, and I realized I was going to have to deny myself. This was not a job that I was going to go to high school on Monday and say, hey, guys, guess what I did? You know, the other people are going to say, hey, I, I scooped beans at, at the restaurant. Hey, I waited at a table. Um, hey, I, I was building a house. Uh, you know, uh, nowadays, hey, I was working on a computer. Look at this cool website that, that I built. And I was going to say, I had to stick my hands Mm, you know, and I had to deny myself. And sometimes uh, the reason why it's so difficult to deny ourselves is when we get into other people's lives, it gets messy, doesn't it? I mean, have you ever felt that way before that I have enough problems of my own to deal with? God, I don't know how I'm going to deny myself because that means I'm going to be in other people's lives and they have some issues. And next thing you know, it's no different. I'm pulling my hands out and I smell and I go, that doesn't smell very good. Although my dad would argue and say, no, it smells like money, son. That's what he would say. But some of you are just getting that now, aren't you? But you have to decide who you're going to deny and this is the very starting point of putting your boots on the ground. And who you're going to deny and who you're going to go public with. Um, some of us are good at going public with ourselves and with our toys and with our hopes and dreams. But really, as Christians, God has called us to be public about our Savior, Jesus 
Christ. And so when we decide that we'll deny ourselves and we will now proclaim Christ, we are in position to get our faith into action. And can I tell you, if an entire church full of people begin to put their faith into action and put their boots on the ground and get in people's lives with spiritual things and with the gospel, that's where you see a church change, a city change. It's where you see lives change. It's incredible. And it's so important because how many of you have ever been to the church where nothing ever changed, right? It was the same old, same old, same old, same people in the same power positions, singing the same six hymns rotating every time, uh, hearing the exact same message. Nothing ever new, and it's because it's a room full of people who have chosen not to deny themselves, but to indulge themselves, and next thing you know, there's no impact. But God has called us to be a church on a rescue mission that is deeply concerned about the lostness of the people around us, and this is what's going to make Elevation Church vibrant into the future. Are you with me? This is who we have to become, a people who are consumed with denying ourselves, so that the gospel advances, so that the gospel advances. That's the win. But then the question always comes up. Okay, I've made that decision. Maybe I'm willing to try to deny myself. But Dave, that sounds so weighty. It sounds so hard. It sounds so something for just for you, Dave, because you're a pastor. I want to tell you there's a very easy entry point to denying yourself. And it's called opening your mouth. But the question is, when, how, how do I do this? I want to help you learn how to put your boots on the ground, how to confess your Savior publicly like Jesus asked us to do in verse 32. And so here it is. Look for opportunity. Open your eyes. Look for opportunity. And there are three T's I want to talk about. You want to write these down. These are triggers where God is telling you, child of mine, you are in a position to advance your faith right now. Here they are. Trouble, tension, and transition. Trouble sounds like this. I am so hurt. Trouble sounds like this. I don't have enough. Fill in the blank, right? Tension. Tension means I wasn't prepared for I wasn't prepared for something, and now I don't know how it's going to get fixed. It's not imminent. It's not tomorrow, but there's a problem, and I don't know how to solve it. Or I love this one. This is one of the ripest fruits of sharing the gospel, ripest areas right here. It's transition. Transition says, I'm new here. Something's new. My kids are going to a new school. Hey, I'm new at at work. I just took this job a week ago. Um, Hey, I just moved in the neighborhood. I'm a new neighbor. When people are in transition, it's a great time to honor the words of Jesus here in Matthew 10 and go public with your faith. And so you may say, well, okay, I get it. That's what I'm listening for. But what do I actually say when I hear trouble, tension, or transition? Well, I want to help you with this. You want to respond with a question. Why? Because questions initiate conversation, don't they? Uh, It's not just a one-word answer, and then there's awkward silence, kind of like when you're on your first date with your spouse, right? Where it's kind of like, hey, and they're like, hey. And you sit there, and you're like, 
Hmm, I think I'm going to eat the potato now. You know, uh, that's, that's not what it's like. Questions will get the conversation flowing. And so here's one of the most powerful conversation uh, starters that you can have, and it's very easy to, uh, to put your boots on the ground with it. And here it is. Number one, will you go to church with me? And so I want you to practice this with me out loud as a group. So someone comes up to you, and you hear them say, hey, I'm in trouble. You know, before you pass go, before you want to shoot the breeze, before you want to talk about how you've been in trouble before, what do we respond with to initiate boots on the ground with our faith on a rescue mission? We say, will you go to church? Say a little bit stronger with me. Will you go to church with me? That's, that's pretty easy, isn't it? And, and all of a sudden, you are denying yourself and you are going public with your faith and you're honoring God. And now the weight of this is lifted off because it's like, gee, Is that how I got started? It sounded a lot more difficult than that. Someone says, I wasn't prepared for my kid to rebel on me. Guess what? What do we say? Say it together. Will you go to church with me? Wow. What a great conversation starter. Someone says, I just moved in the neighborhood. I'm four four doors down. Well, hey, will you go to church with me, right? And, and all of a sudden, all the rocket scientists in here are going, wow, that is deep, Dave. That is so deep. But yet, it gets you started on this idea of publicly co- confessing your faith, which your Savior has commanded you to do. He's commanded me to do it, not to sit private. Now, there are two next-level questions uh, that you can go to when you are publicly confessing your faith. And here they are. Number two is, can I help you know, and I love to put in parentheses, and follow Jesus. Can I help you know and follow Jesus? Now, this implies that you have prepared yourself, that you have studied, that you know what the gospel is. We've said over and over, four weeks in a row, what is the gospel when we refer to it? It is simply the good news that there is salvation available through Jesus Christ, right? That, that is the gospel, that there is salvation available through Jesus Christ. And so can I help you know and follow Jesus? This also implies that in your life, you have to have some semblance of attempting to follow Jesus yourself, right? But at the very least, you can say, will you go to church with me? You could go to this next level that says, can I help you know and follow Jesus, where maybe you have to think about your personal testimony of how Jesus changed and saved your life, and you have a conversation. Maybe you get to lead them to the Lord right here, and you get to puff up your pastor just for a second. I give an invitation, and five hands go up saying, I want to receive Christ, but when I talk to them, the truth is is that they all came to Christ way before that with you in a parking lot or with you in your front yard or with you uh, at a work cubicle. But here's a third uh, way that you can put your boots on the ground in conversation, and is to ask this question, how can I pray for you? How can I pray for you? And this is a very important question because it shows them that God cares about their situation. Aren't you grateful that God has cared about you and your situation? And he was there and came to your rescue when you needed him. Now God is asking you to be the vehicle to do the same for people. And so if someone says, yes, hey, my wife and I are about to be divorced. Man, a great question. Can I pray for you. And then what do you do? You stop right there and you open your mouth and you pray. Now I know many of us start to go, oh wait, wait a second. I don't pray out loud. You don't realize this, 
But if you are in Christ, if you know Jesus Christ and you're consumed with him and, and you are living for him, even if you're a quiet personality, you are somebody's pastor around you and you don't even know it. There's somebody somewhere that is eyeing you, that is spying on you, and you don't even know it, watching how you live. And they, they, are, they are looking at you for spiritual guidance. You're going, who, me? Who, not, no, not me. And they would be blown away if you would take the time to stop, even in an environment where it may not be culturally acceptable, and to pray for them and to care about them. So our three questions, let's say them aloud. What are they? Will you go to church with me? Two, can I help you know and follow Jesus? Number three, how can I pray for you? And we do these off the triggers. What are our three T's? They are trouble, tension, and transition. That is what a person who is active in their faith is looking for on a daily basis. Now, if we skip down to uh, Matthew 10, verses 38 and 39, there's uh, some good scripture in between. But uh, for the purpose of time, I want to move on to these verses. Jesus says this in this same discussion about publicly confessing him. He says, And he who does not take his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. He who finds his life will lose it, and he who loses his life for my sake will find it. And there you see the call of God to deny ourselves. Now, it's interesting. He says that he wants us to take up our cross. Now, when he was telling this to the disciples, the time that Matthew was recording, Jesus had not been on the cross yet. He wasn't talking about Jesus' cross. He used the imagery of the cross because the cross means death. That's what cross meant. That's what that term meant to the people of that day. If you mentioned the cross, people went, ooh, death. If Jesus were speaking to our audience today, I think he may have said something like this. Take up your electric chair and follow me. And when you think of the electric chair, you think, oh, if you sit in that, you're, you're dead. That's what it is. And here, Jesus is asking us to deny ourselves, to stop to stop living in a bad witness, to stop being quiet about our faith, to stop getting pressed back into a corner and hoping somebody else puts their boots on the ground and shares their faith and sees someone come to life change, to, to become alive in Christ, crossing from death to life. And here's, here's what I know. Uh, Jesus is asking people, his people, to carry people to the cross. To carry people to the cross, the point where they will deny themselves and they will bend a knee and surrender to Jesus Christ. And when we model that by denying ourselves and making our life completely about the advancement of the gospel, we now are beginning to understand what Jesus said to take up our cross and that we'll find life if we lose it. Here's what this looks like very quickly. It means that maybe I had a bad week at work or it's a bad season at work and I didn't make a lot of money, but yet I have a friend who, who said, hey, I think I'd like to come to church with you. And someone asked me uh, that same week, hey, did you have a good week? Most people say, no. My week was terrible. Business went down the drain. But the Christian who's on a rescue mission says this, I had an awesome week. Someone who is dead in their sin just asked me 
if they can come to church with me and they want to know more about my faith, woohoo, the gospel just advanced down the court. I am excited. I have boots on the ground. God is using me, and that is the win in my life. Do you hear what I'm saying? And, and why do we do this? Why do we carry people to the cross of Christ? It's because there they find mercy, they find forgiveness, and here's the deal. Jesus put his boots on the ground, didn't he? He stepped from heaven to earth. He stuck his boots in the ground so that you and I could be forgiven. And he didn't carry us. He carried our sin and our shame and the weight of the world on the cross so that you and I could be free. And he simply asked us to carry people to the cross on a rescue mission. But here's the reason why we don't. It's because our hands are typically too full of things that indulge ourselves And when they're so full of things that are of ourselves, we look at people in need and we say, someone else will have to do it. God is calling you to let those things go, be empty-handed, and be ready to carry someone to the cross. Listen to 1 Peter 2, verses 24 through uh, 25. This is what 1 Peter tells us. He personally carried our sins in his body on the cross so that we can be dead to sin and live for what is right. I love this statement right here. It's one of the most powerful in all of scripture. By his wounds, you are healed. Once you were like sheep who wandered away, but now you have turned to your shepherd, the guardian of your souls. And so, Why are we on a rescue mission? Because we know at the foot of the cross, there we find mercy. There we find forgiveness. There we see people cross from death to life. And there is nothing better than a life changed for Jesus Christ. Can I get an amen? There is nothing better. And so uh, I want to invite Cheyenne Wright. Could we give a big, warm, whooping welcome to Cheyenne? Now, I'm super proud of the some 50, 60 people that just went through what we called a three-week intensive uh, rescue groups. These, this was an intensive on learning how to share your faith, how to talk about your testimony, so that if you are in the the the, the the situation where you see someone in trouble and transition or intention, uh, you can open your mouth and talk about it. And Cheyenne is one of the people who went through this. And in this, she shared her testimony. I was in her small group and I was blown away. And what I love about her testimony is it's a great testimony to what the Lord has done, but it's also a great testimony about the people of Elevation Church. And so you want to go ahead and listen to this and uh, let's encourage her and welcome her one time. Uh, Cheyenne, tell us how you crossed from death into new life in Christ. Um, I've always been a Christian. I've always believed in God and everything. I honestly don't remember a time when I didn't. But, um, we moved, we've always moved around. My father was in the military and I just never got grounded into a church. I never really cared about sin. I knew I was a Christian. I knew I believed in God. So I thought everything was fine. I was wrong. Um, we moved here about three years ago and when... I walked into the doors of Elevation while we were still in Skyview. I remember looking around and seeing all the people with bright smiles on their faces, and I remember thinking to myself, I want to be this happy. And 
Then the service started, and the worship band began playing This is Amazing Grace by Philip Wickerham or something like that. I don't remember. (laughs) And the chorus started, and I remember just hearing very boldly, Cheyenne Wright, come to me. And I knew then that that was God calling to me, calling to me to come to him, to become a Christian, to become baptized, to become saved. And ever since then, I've been, I've become, I have become a very active Christian. I, I have adored this church. I, I love everything about being a Christian. I, yeah, I've always just felt very secure in everything because I knew that everything was going to be okay because it was part of his bigger plan. And yeah, that's my story. And, uh, some cool stuff about Cheyenne that's super encouraging is uh, over uh, a youth conference a few weeks ago, uh, she recognized God's calling her life into ministry as well. And so there is an awesome example of someone crossing from death into life, but not, not just being saved to sit, but being saved to serve. And, and here's a cool thing about her testimony that I want to add is that because someone was willing to deny themselves for 10 minutes and go shake a hand at the door, and go smile at the front, and welcome someone who was newer to church, that made a humongous impact to deny yourself for 10 minutes to serve someone else, and look at the fruit of what God has done. And this is why we're on, can I get blue hair like you? I'm kind of jealous though, I have to say. Uh, I don't even know if I could do that anymore, but I'm really good at growing this white color now. That's, that's what's happening. And uh, I have to say, I am so grateful for the people who serve in our First Impressions ministry and for the people who are thinking about it. You see right here the fruit of what can happen just by denying yourself for 10 minutes out of your week. Now imagine if you decided to deny yourself and proclaim your Savior every minute of every day, what might happen. Isn't that incredible? And so I'm really grateful uh, for Cheyenne. I'm grateful for her family as well. Incredible people who love Jesus and serve like crazy. And so uh, let's say thanks one more time.